Hey, you're listening to the Smoke Meat Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Pittman. Smoke Meat's brought to you by Joe's Underground at the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia, and the bottom of the Lamar Building. Joe's is such a great place to go sit down and have a drink, just have a good time with people who understand and people who love you just from the first time you get there. such a great place. Always been treated like family at Joe's. Remember, I goes to Joe's and so should you. Joe's Underground, the corner of 8th and Broad in Augusta, Georgia, and the bottom of the Lamar Building. Today, I've got such a wonderful guest. We're going to do a little bit of Star Wars for you. We're going to interview one of the people from The Mandalorian, a young man by the name of Dominic Pace. He is the bounty hunter gecko on The Mandalorian. Uh, this town's giving me a little bit of the skinny on the show and kind of what's what's hopefully coming up. I just had a great talk with him. He's had a great career. So we're going to get this thing started off here on Smoke Me. Hey, Dominic, how you doing today, man? I'm doing great. Hello to you and hello to all your listeners. Oh, man, oh, man. We're going to have a good day today. I just got that feeling, man. I've been looking forward to this one. But, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate everyone's support. You know, just uh, being a Star Wars fan myself uh, and, and being, you know, able to interact with all the Star Wars fans, uh, it's just been beyond words in terms of the support of this this little side character bounty that's starting to pick up a little steam there. Yeah, I, I know. Um, I've, I've seen you do a lot of the cons, and, man, that is so awesome because, you one, it, it shows you're vested in your character. Mm-hmm. And also, you understand that the fans are what makes that happen. They make it possible for you to be gecko. Without question, you know, I always I always think of the yin and the yang symbol, and especially with side characters in the Star Wars universe. If you were to take any other franchise in regards to just the character that's been on screen for less than one minute, even the original bounty hunters from Empire Strikes Back, how famous they've become over the years. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't be able to find anything. So it's it just forever grateful uh, to all the fans during this time of the, the COVID and everything else going on. I've been offering free uh, videos uh, with people reaching out through Messenger on Facebook or Instagram uh, just to cheer people up. And also my way of saying thank you, not only to the fans, but also to the amazing Dave Filoni, whose birthday it is today, as well as uh, John Favreau. I'm so grateful for both of them. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's funny, you know, looking back over, over Favreau's career, now I never thought – just just starting out, you know, that he would be the, the powerhouse that he is. And I mean, he does so many great things, you know, in After, front of him yeah, behind. He, he's hit a home run with every genre, not to mention one of my favorite sports movies uh, was Rudy. You know, he had a nice supporting role in that. But then the best actor movie ever, just actors in Los Angeles kind of going through the grind, was Swingers. And then he did <laughs> another fun one with Vince Vaughn made. And then, of course, Elf became a classic, one of the best, uh, one of, I think, all of our favorite uh, holiday films, aside from all the classics. Uh, but that became an instant classic. And then, of course, what he did with Marvel now and, and Disney and Star Wars, uh, I mean, just a legend right now. Yeah, I mean, he he, he can't hit a foul. He's, no. Everything's a home run, man. He's like uh, John Williams with his music, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, you know when, when we talked, I told you I'm, I'm the old guy. I'm the original trilogy guy. And yeah. I, I started watching the – the episode one, and as soon as Jar Jar came on, I just no, I'm I'm good. You know, I, I quit. <laughs> and you know, I, I almost I almost feel for the modern day fans because the one thing when the original trilogy hit us at that age, Lucas was so ahead of his time that now, I mean, you know, it's very oversaturated. I I, I don't want to say it's a bad thing because obviously there's so many talented people in all different franchises. Obviously, with the with the the movement of technology over the years, with CGI, and now with this 
amazing uh, uh, LED screen they call the volume. But back then, it really hit our heartstrings because he was so ahead of his time, you know, almost like Tesla or, or Thomas Edison, that it hits you uh, a million different ways on your heartstrings just because there was nothing like it during our age. And then also, we weren't distracted by social media. We weren't distracted by YouTube. We would have that playset in our, our bedroom, along with our Transformers and our A-Team, uh, you know, figures and mass figures. And we'd be able to play for hours and hours with those figures there. Oh, dude, I wish I still had my Star Wars toys. Holy crap. Yeah, um, they, they, be, they become quite a business. And, and again, the most amazing thing is little side characters sometimes become the most coveted more than the big stars, you know, like Han Solo and Leia and such. It, it's just absolutely amazing. And the collectors, I, I've been able to tour the last uh, five months uh, before the, uh, the shutdown there. And it's just been amazing to interact with so many of the passionate fans who, who just love collecting, mostly from our generation there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's funny, you know, I, I watched a thing on Netflix. It was called The Toys That Made Us. Have you seen that? I love it. I absolutely oh, love man. it. Kenner got a deal when they started that. Holy oh, crap. yeah. And then that's what, well, that's what they say. They say that Lucas actually wanted to make the prequels because he broke the contract, ended up uh, expiring with Kenner. Yeah. And then he was able to secretly come in. And then he, that's where he made all the money through, uh, I think it was through Hasbro, where he took the majority of the profit there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what, what a great story. And then also, you know, it, that was just a great era of collecting. The Transformers did an amazing job. I thought Mask, that little collectible uh, uh, line was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, not to mention He-Man line as well, which I thought was great. Yeah. Um, I know Kevin Smith's doing some stuff with He-Man right now. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Me too. I, I just thought those characters were so colorful, along with Thundercats. We'd watch that after school. <laughs> yep. um, so it, it's just great to see our generation keep it going with all the fun stuff. Because the kids these days, you know, my kids are now 14 and 11, but even during uh, Christmas when they were four or five and six, I would get them a playset and they'd play with it for two seconds, but then go right to the iPad. So it's great that our generation keeps the tradition on, and uh, I'm excited to see what Kevin Smith does with that. Oh yeah, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna be great, you know. And just we we had so many cool things. Not like I say, not taken away from today, but I mean, you know, when you saw the Star Destroyers and the original Star Wars, you know, I saw it on the big screen, and it was somebody sat down and built the model of this thing, and they had to figure out how to do the motion capture and all that. You know, uh, no one had ever done it. The detail to everything. Oh my God! I you know what I cringe at is the story where the, I guess the Death Star got misplaced. Yeah, and I don't know if they know where it is right now. I, if it ended up getting tossed in the garbage or what, but oh my God, that that piece would it must have been. I mean, it, it would be priceless uh, these days. But it's just amazing the whole Lucas original team, the detail they put into the work. You know, uh, to, to to also sidetrack from that a little bit with the makeup as well and with the costumes. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, the figures they they do such an intricate job as well. When I was working on episode one and three, they had twenty five characters, the creatures that they had to build from scratch every single morning and it was about a two-hour process but the detail the attention to detail within the star wars universe i think is what really makes it special whether it's the ships the weapons or the characters there yeah because you know one thing i've noticed and being one myself you know star wars fans mm -hmm. they're the most detail-oriented people in the world i mean you you could you miss one thing on any scene somebody's gonna notice it and it's gonna go on blast Without question. And, you know, look at the poor stormtrooper that popped his head going through the portal. <laughs> oh, man. They watch, it a they watch it a million times. And like I said, I can't say how grateful I am. I'm just about to do this national tour of about 20 different comic book stores, and it wouldn't be there if, if it wasn't for the fans and their, how detail-oriented they are and how passionate they are for every character there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, when whenever you you got this gig, um, did they already say, okay, now we've got this bounty hunter, we want you to be him, or did did they give you some input on on Gecko? No. Okay. So what happened was I, I had previous experience with prosthetics. I doubled Frankenstein on Van Helsing in 2002 opposite Hugh Jackman. And I was also in Bright with Will Smith. I played one of the orcs. Now, mm-hmm. having prosthetics on your body is not the most incredible talent to have. However, you do have to be claustrophobic free. You do have to be patient. You have to be kind and respectful because you're in that chair sometimes two, four, or five hours even, depending on the detail of work that they do. I went in for a simple makeup test. I've been a working man actor. I know, you know, this, this town gets a lot of, uh, you know, uh, titles and labels, but a lot of us, the 99% of us, a lot of us are just grit and grind to where you have to take whatever job you can. We're not all big movie stars driving around a Mercedes, you know, with our big mansion up in the hills. So not only have I done, you know, guest stars and co-stars, this happened to be a simple makeup test by one of the top groups in Hollywood, the top makeup companies called Legacy Effects. Mm -hmm. And what happened was two weeks prior, they didn't tell me what the project was. There was no promise of work. But I was just polite. I was respectful. I always had my business card on me. And the gentleman who did me happened to do Brian. Uh, his name was Brian Sight, but he happened to do Drax over in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, for three or four years when they were doing Guardians of the Galaxy. This man is one of the greatest prosthetic guys in the business. If you look up his work, I mean, he's worked with everyone from Rebecca Romaine Samos on, uh, you know, on the X Men uh, to Arnold Schwarzenegger with Terminator. I mean, when they need somebody a list, they call him. So, long story short. They were going to about to hire 25 uh, actors or creatures or, you know, featured uh, characters for a project that was called Huckleberry. I had no idea what it was until I was I was told to wait outside a room in Manhattan Beach Studios on the, on the South Bay in California. Uh, it wasn't until I went into the wardrobe room that it wasn't until I went into the wardrobe room that I knew that it was Star Wars. And what made my hands go numb is when I saw a rack of clothes and it said Dominic Pace Bounty Hunter. Now. The makeup artist when he came upstairs because they were going to maybe put a mask on my character, just make me mask with maybe a, a very limited visor similar to uh, Boba Fett and maybe even these big long dreads like an old Viking and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Brian came to me and he came to the makeup guy and said, I want to do the most extensive prosthetics. Out of all the 25 characters, I want to do it on you, Don, because you're patient, you're kind, you're respectful. And the rest is history. Uh, so I went in for a screen test the following day. And with screen tests, that's when I knew this was a major budget, because more often than not, with uh, television or film, they'll just throw you on set day one, throw the makeup on you, and then just throw you to set, and that was it. This was a screen test in front of John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and also Deborah Chow, who's going to be heading up the Kenobi series. Um, it, it took two hours every morning. It was the most extensive amount of makeup of those side characters within episode one and episode three, uh, aside from the, 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 the stars, you know, aside from getting Mando in place and everything else. And I'll tell you, I mean, just the perfect formula for, for being an action figure at some point within the Star Wars universe. I'm hoping that it's sooner than later. Um, but it was just an absolute dream come true. The nickname Gecko came from an inspiration that he had two years prior. It was a Greenpeace project that he did, I, I believe, in the state of Georgia in Atlanta. It was a big convention just for, you know, the Earth, the environment, you know, and, and Greenpeace, where he created a, a, um, a, a model uh, and uh, put a 90-pound woman in this prosthetic. That looked very similar to a gecko. She was holding a gecko for a photo shoot, mm-hmm. uh, just about peace and, you know, a, a rainforest, etc. Anyhow, he altered, I, I, with my suggestion, uh, and respectfully, he altered the bumps on the head that would be similar to a gecko um, to make them slightly horns, four horns. And the nickname just stuck amongst the other bounty hunters, and it's been a nickname ever since. And like I said, I, 
I'm going on tour now uh, to visit, oh my God, probably 20 states in 40 days uh, with about, um, I think about maybe 15 comic book stores from Phoenix all the way to Miami, Florida, all the way up to Dearborn Heights, Michigan. And I just can't tell you how grateful I am for the opportunity of being a lifelong Star Wars fan there. Oh, man, that is that is awesome, you know, because like I say, the fans are what make you, and, you know, they people pay attention to that. You know, Favreau pays attention to that, I'm sure. He's he's not an idiot, and he sees, okay, this guy's going out, and he's, he's doing this, and people yeah. are responding. You know, we might want to go and explore this a little more, and, you know, you never know. You never know. That's the plan. I had a long conversation with my agent yesterday regarding season three, and I said, hey, you know, look what's going on. I mean, the fans are really taken to this character. I mean, the following on Facebook, the following on social media. You know, I've been involved in all the charitable organizations, but it's not just because of that. I was raised with respect. You know, yesterday was June 6th uh, in honor of D-Day. My grandfather was a member of the 4th Infantry at Utah Beach. And, you know, the greatest generation, they raised us with respect. So whether something comes out or they don't, I just really come by that, that amazing, uh, uh, I come from that amazing generation to where I was raised under them uh, to respect my elders and to respect my peers. And from doing that, a lot of good has come out of it there. Exactly. You know, good, good cause is good. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that because, I mean, like I say, it's just nobody wants to work with a butthole. That's exactly. And nobody's going to hire one. Exactly. But, and, and, you know, no, you, absolutely. When, when you were doing just a simple makeup test that basically, you know, if I gather right, a makeup test is basically you, they didn't have a styrofoam head to put it on. Right. They're going to try this. And you were respectful and you, you know, did what you were there to do. And this is snowballing and I see great things coming. Thank you so much. You know, and it's a great lesson. I think to the youth out there, if they're listening, just the fact that first of all, you take every job, you stay humble. You never know where that job's going to lead. You don't uh, hold yourself to just that job in terms of your status, but when you're humble, you're respectful and you work hard, a lot of good things come out of it. And I believe that's the American way. You know, that's how you get ahead in this country, uh, you know, to where you're appreciative and you just grind at it. And no matter who you are, I think a lot of good things come out of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the, the younger generation, I hate sounding like the old man, but I'm, I'm not a kid anymore. But, yeah. you know, the younger generation, a lot of them haven't been hungry. Yeah. And I, I grew up poor. My dad died when I was 10. And oh, I'm we, sorry to hear. We were poor. I mean, we were so mm-hmm. poor, we about had to share mouthwash, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I'll, I'll do what I got to never be hungry again. And Absolutely. You know, a lot of these kids today just, they've never, they've always known where their next meal were coming from, or they knew that the lights were going to be on when they got home. It's funny you say that. A little story, you know, I I don't discipline my kids too hard. They're pretty respectful, but I'll tell you, their grandmother gives them $5 every now and then, or $10 or $20, and there's been more than one occasion to where they'll come home and they misplace the money. And and I'm like, guys, I said, I've got to tell you, I said, when I was a kid, I would hold on to that five dollars like it was it was you know it was gold, uh, and, and the same thing you know now it's like you know my wife tries to tell me she's like well you know they don't come from that you know obviously those times and when you know obviously you know, I grew up with a single mom myself and and uh, you know unfortunately yeah it's a little bit more of that that needs to be instilled within the younger generations of just appreciating a day's pay and to have respect for that money without question. Yep, most definitely. But no, I mean, when, when you do good things, they, they come about. And you were raised mm-hmm. right, it sounds like, and good things are happening. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, when, when I was doing the research on this, you know, my, what I call my research, I don't dig extremely deep because, you know, we, we don't have a three-hour show. <laughs> and uh, I, I just 
you, you see how my thing is. I don't get on and use my radio voice. So back in 2017, you were in this. <laughs> Tell me about it, sir. We talk. It's a conversation. I just kind of get some little bullet points that I can might might throw in there if they come up, you know. Yeah, and, we keep it real. And as I was going down the IMDb, I saw a movie there that, dude, it it hit my heart. It is one of my favorite movies in the world. A lot of people don't like it because it's it's a little politically incorrect. You probably know exactly which one I'm talking about right now. Mm. Special unit. Special unit. Oh my God, you saw that. <laughs> I lo- I've been a Titus fan forever. I saw it when it was a when they started making the TV show, and and they said yeah. nope. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, he, he's a lot of fun. He's a funny comedian there, and, and I'll tell you, you know, we had a great time on set. Another guy, you know, just from grassroots, you know, touring uh, for many, many years, yeah. and uh, just managed to put this together with Billy Cardell, uh, you know, one of the stars of Michael Marley, another guy yeah. who grinded it out in the stand-up comic world, a Pittsburgh guy, you know, he loves the Steelers, he loves his Pirates, and his Permani Brothers sandwich, I don't know if you ever had a chance to have one of those in Pittsburgh, but uh, yeah, I had a great time working on that project, and again... Uh, you know, if you look at the IMDb, you just see, you know, grinding it out for so many years. Yeah. And, and like I said, a lot of good opportunities come throughout that. But it, it's just been a pleasure to be in this town, uh, specifically just because I've always wanted to be an actor. I always enjoy the, the love and the, uh, of the art itself. Um, but it just, it definitely takes a lot of work. And I've just been grateful to still be able to hang in there. A lot of good things have happened there. Yeah, you know, and a lot of people, when you when you talk about actors, they think, okay, there's Brad Pitt or... You know, Leo DiCaprio, the, the leading men yeah, and the leading ladies. And, you know, I can mention certain names and you may think, who in the hell is this? And then you see a picture of me like, that guy's been in everything. That's the character actor. And that's, like I say, you've been grinding out for a long time doing that. And that that's the backbone of, of entertainment for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, again, you know, the 99% of us, I mean, you know, it is a job for a lot of us. A lot of us are just here to get a day's pay. And and, uh, unfortunately, you know, we're all not making millions of dollars. But at the same time, you know, I I tell my kids every day, you got to make sure you do what you love. But at the same time, there does come sacrifice. You know, the one thing with work uh, in this business is it's very sporadic. But Mm -hmm. the one thing I learned very early on was that you take every job as a privilege as opposed to, uh, uh, to being entitled for it. And I'll tell you, with that mentality, you get a lot of joy out of the experience. A lot of people there say, oh, well, I'm not happy unless I'm going to be the top of my game. And we all want to strive to be there and make millions and millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, if you treat every job as a privilege, um, you end up having a happier life and also uh, doing what you, uh, enjoying what you love uh, doing there. Yeah, you know, one of my first actual interviews, you know, I, I've been doing this since July. It's not a very old podcast. And... A lot of my earlier episodes were just me kind of rambling and talking about different things solo. And I met a guy who's a publicist named Steve Joyner, and he started sending me some people. And one of my first ones that he sent me was Larry Hankin. And when he first mentioned Larry, I was thinking, who in the hell is Larry Hankin? I don't know this guy. Uh And I I looked and, and I talked to Larry. And yeah, I know Larry very well. He's been in everything. He's been doing character work since the late 60s. You know, he was uh, old Joe in Breaking Bad, you know, a key character. Yes. And uh, yes. It, I'm like, holy crap, I, I know this guy. And Absolutely. And I've done several different character actors, and it's always so great because, I mean, yeah, character actors grind it out. They know, okay, I may be in three scenes in this, but they're going to be three good scenes, and 
I'm going to do my part. And they Absolutely. move on. Absolutely. And the great thing is, especially for us guys, is we can do it well into our 70s, you know, and that's what I plan to do. I mean, of course, you know, I'd love to have that retirement home in a beautiful area in Georgia or, or Montana. Uh, but at the same time, I've always just got such a great adrenaline rush through it. I, I can't see myself retiring unless, of course, L.A. just becomes too ridiculous to live in, which I'm sure some people would say it really is. But, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, we're going to hopefully uh, grow and age until one of the, you know, the fire chiefs and the detectives and uh, hopefully have a nice uh, uh, flushed out career by the time we're 80 there. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, well, I know you've done a lot of a lot of you know fire and police people in in a lot of your things. You know, I I saw you were in a I, I, we had talked about this NCIS and NCIS LA. My wife wants you to do the hat trick and get on New Orleans. Absolutely, she, she is actually upstairs watching New Orleans right now. I'll tell you. Well, the good news is the production apparently got the green light June twelfth. Uh, although I did tell my agents, I said, "Hey, listen, I, I want to take this once in a lifetime road trip with my son from June 29th to August tenth." But the industry will be here when I get back, and uh, we're hoping to close some more crime dramas, especially uh, it's always nice for me to get on a plane and get out of L.A. for a little bit to, to travel on location, not to mention New Orleans, which has the best food, in my opinion, in the country. I, all the influence from Italian uh, to Cajun, Creole, African-American, uh, just some of the best influence you can imagine down there, even the French. Um, so it's always a joy to, uh, to visit down there. I, there's a World War II museum, and I honored my grandfather with, they have it called, it's called the Canyon of Heroes. Uh, and I, I uh, honored him with a brick uh, down there at the World War II Museum. If anybody ever gets a chance in New Orleans, that's a great uh, museum to visit there. Nice. Yeah, you talk about the food in New Orleans. Last night we did a big Low Country Bowl. I saw it. Oh. I saw the pictures on Facebook. Wow, dude, it was that amazing. Was, uh, now what is what is that? Is that you call that uh, not jambalaya, right? But something similar to what do you call that? Well, it's a Low Country Bowl. We had uh, you, you put in, of course, your seasonings and. All that gets your water boiling. Uh, you put in potatoes and corn. Yeah. Let it go for a little while. Put in sausage, onions. Yeah. Couple of lemons, uh, shrimp, crawdads. Oh man, it was just oh, it was I, amazing. I, I saw the fo- I saw the photos. That thing looked just absolutely gorgeous. Whoever was invited to that party, uh, I, I'm absolutely I'm absolutely jealous there. It oh, looks man. beautiful. And uh, the the neat thing about it was, you know, my captain put it on at his home and. His his fiance's birthday was last week, and it was part celebration for that. And also last Saturday, I turned thirty as a paramedic or thirty in EMS. It's my thirty year anniversary, and he did it as part of that too. Wow! And that was so cool. That just did it meant so much. Well, well, you know, just to thank you to not only you but your entire team out there for everything you guys have been doing on the front lines with COVID. Uh, just the utmost amount of respect. You know, just like with. The firefighters are our police officers, you know, uh, you know, being on the front lines. I always think of 9-11 on how so many people will be running the other way. And, and just a tremendous amount of respect to all of you uh, for working in service uh, to protect us and uh, to keep us well here. Thank, thank you very, very much. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and I, one thing, it, it's funny, you know, everybody talks about when medical people watch medical shows, they nitpick and all this. I've done so many different things with medicine. I've never turned down an opportunity to do anything. Absolutely. And I've been a tactical medic. You know, I've I've gone in with the U.S. Marshals on some things and just things like that is helping them as their medic. And I'm actually SWAT certified. Wow. And uh, watching the show SWAT, you know, I've actually I'm I'm been talking back and forth with Kenny Johnson because he's he's one of my favorite actors too. Mm-hmm. Just, just a great guy. And I watched the little things on that show, like 
the way that they move or even just the way they hold their weapons and the trigger discipline and all of that, when people pay attention to that, like say, when the actor pays attention to it, it shows that they care about their role and they're, they're, it just goes a long way with me when people do things like that on any role. Absolutely. He's a great guy. I had the pleasure of working on SWAT there a couple of years ago, actually at Paramount Pictures, uh, where my wife works, and uh, it was a privilege to work with him and uh, all the uh, the stars on that show there. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you, you've just, like I say, look, looking back over to IMDb and all, there's just so many great things. I'm, I'm looking forward to some great things from you because, you know, I'm I'm not a psychic by no stretch. Hell, I can't tell what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't remember what happened yesterday. I'm just here today. But I go with my gut all the time because it's never wrong. And uh, I just got a feeling, I mean, things are going to blow up for you. I've got that feeling in my gut. I'd like to believe so. Thank you so much. I know Dave Filoni and John Favreau are huge fans, and I'd like to believe they acknowledge that somebody on the inside, one of the cast members, is a fan themselves, not to mention, you know, uh, one who respects the fan base as well as being involved in all the charities. So I, I would like to believe they would reward somebody that, that does that. Uh, again, we just have to see, you know, this business, it's very much like, you know, some of the major stock companies, like, say, Goldman and Sachs and some of the higher-level agencies to where if you're not a member of those top agencies a lot of times it's hard to get your voice heard uh but i think the fan base and and also uh the star wars uh, uh production and everything else i think we'll be able to at least have our our pitch uh made before season three and i i'd like to believe you're going to be seeing a little bit more gecko there was a, a illustrator and also the ceo of a new uh, comic book series called star wars bounty hunters uh, brought out by marvel they're on the third issue right now and he's taken a liking to gecko and he said there might be something after the 10th issue for me so really excited for that and, and fingers crossed uh, a lot of good things will happen in the future there oh yeah i know a lot of people are looking looking for season two to come out and ready for it um oh man i mean they, they, they've just done such a great job with the story such a perfect balance with everything uh i mean we just couldn't wait after episode eight i mean i think we were all just kind of hanging out uh you know the, you know it's almost like a cliffhanger in a million different ways on where this thing's gonna go uh but i think we're all really excited there yeah yeah i'm, I'm like i said I've, I've been watching it and i'm it's won me over to some some new star wars yeah and uh yeah that's that's I, just awesome I think it's a really great angle uh, and a lot of potential with this Kenobi series as well. You know, it's sort of biblical in a way, the fact that, you know, it's going to take place to where Kenobi was watching over Luke, almost like, uh, you know, uh, Luke is the chosen one in many ways and sort of having this, you know, spiritual figure uh, that has been, you know, that mature figure watching over him. I, I think they've got a lot of potential with that on Tatooine, and I'm excited to see where that series goes as well, especially yeah. with the, the legendary Ewan McGregor there. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm just. I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't get excited over a lot of different, different shows or films. You know, I'm. I'm a huge fan of a lot of different things, but I, when when it's over, I feel if I binge watch something or if something's you know the season's over, I, okay, we're we're done, and that's about yeah. it. And then th- this thing, I'm like, damn, I'm I'm ready for it to keep going. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah, that's rare uh, for me. Yeah, they just they, they they know Star Wars. I think they know the fans. They're one of us from our generation. Uh, so I think they really got their their finger on the pulse of uh, 
uh, of the Star Wars fan base. So I, I think a lot of exciting years ahead. I didn't, I wasn't crazy about the Clone Wars and Rebels, but I like the fact that he's sort of intertwining them. I'm going back and watching old Clone Wars ep- episodes now, uh, just to familiarize myself with a lot of the new characters. I think he's going to merge into the Mandalorian series, mm-hmm. from what I understand, but from the rumors, I don't know anything personally. Um, but I, I'm excited to see where that goes because it's always nice to hear, see like a backstory of one character or another or where they came from and such. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, now there is one Star Wars backstory that I did watch, other than the than the, the original trilogy, and uh, a lot of people just won't even acknowledge it. But it it is amazing if you just take the cheesiness and roll with it. The Star Wars Christmas. Remember that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was about as vaudeville, uh, you know, when they used to have those shows on, what was it, uh, Lawrence Welch, and they used to have, uh, you know, it was the era of uh, the Carol Burnett show. I mean, it really kind of uh, showed its era, the Donnie, you know, uh, Donnie Osmond, Donnie and Marie show. I mean, you know, some things did not age well, and obviously I think we can agree with that. But, yeah, I mean, just as far as the last, but but the one great thing with that that show was it introduced Boba Fett for the first time, which I think is pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you know what's funny is I actually had Bruce Falanche on the show, and never, oh, you're kidding me! I never thought to ask him about it, and I'm so ashamed of that fact. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, they had B. Arthur, and they even had uh, Art Carney, and uh, oh man, some of the uh, legends from uh, the Cal Burnett show there. Uh, one of the other gentlemen, I forget his name, but oh man, I mean, that was a great time. It's funny. I, my bedtime it was around that time with um, what was it? Remember Sean on Do you remember that mm-hmm, show? I do. Uh, Oh, those guys were great. But I remember either the Muppet Show or Shout On Now, or Welcome Back, Cotter, around that time. That was my bedtime. Um, but it was just a great era of television just because it was so isolated to those 13 channels uh, that that's what we got. But uh, And there were no, you know, little to no reruns at that time. So mm. it was it was special in and of itself there. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was definitely special. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, Dom, I have had a ball with this, man. And I'm, I'm looking for you know you're welcome back here anytime. Thank you so much. I'll be around that area, uh, Cleveland, Tennessee, uh, July 26th, and then I'm heading down to Miami and Fort Lauderdale for a couple of appearances around July 30th and 31st. And just for any of your listeners, feel free to uh, visit geckothebountyhunter.com for any upcoming appearances. Uh, but just to everybody, I appreciate everyone's support. And if anyone ever has a, a down day or they have a birthday for their family member or graduation, they need a, a hello from a Star Wars actor, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to send one out within a day or two there outstanding outstanding man i appreciate it a bunch and i like i say i'm gonna put the charities and i'm gonna put the, the website and everything in the show notes so everybody can all they gotta do is click and mm-hmm. oh yeah we're, we're gonna support you and we're gonna we're gonna rally to keep gecko going because I, I think it's great thank you i appreciate you and again all my love to your entire team over there in the medical field uh again can't say enough of how much you guys have have really uh held us up here through this entire uh, virus, uh, and hopefully it'll be fading away soon. But thank you guys for uh, for your courage and your bravery uh, through all of this. Well, thank you so much. <laughs>